0: My mom asked our friend Steve Lindsay, Steve, which direction is the shuttle coming from? And when's the sonic boom supposed to happen? And he just was on the phone and held up his hand and telling her to hold on. And she knew at that point. And so I I then went over to my mom and grabbed her arm and said, Mom, is Daddy okay?
1: Hey everyone, I'm Mary DeMuth and this is the ReStory Show and today I'm welcoming Laura Husband to the show. Laura, welcome and thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, I want to hear a little bit about your origin story and just kind of tell us how you grew up and um, you know what you're doing now and just a little bit about yourself. So I grew up in
0: Houston, Texas. I moved here when I was four, so I claim it as home. Um, all my family's from Texas, so it's this is where my roots are. (laughs) so I have to claim Texas. Uh, I grew up here and um, went off to school at Trinity University in San Antonio, Um, went through, studied religion, minored in Spanish and did music. Um, Music's always just been a huge part of my life. So I classically trained in voice and then went off to grad school for biblical studies at Kanakuk Institute, and just wanted to spend a year studying the Bible, and and not really sure where I was going to go next, but felt like that was important, Um, and then that led me to audition for a show, so I've I've been doing performing work the past five years, um, different places, one of the most consistent ones is Texas, musical dramas, the show's called Texas, so... Been singing and dancing in an outdoor amphitheater the past five summers.
1: Wow, that's so fun! I don't think I've ever had a musical theater person on before, so I won't make you sing or anything like that. But uh, although we should, we should have you sing because you're probably awesome. Um, awesome. So, uh, are you
0: married? Do you have a family? I'm single. My last name's Husband, so I'm a husband, but I'm
1: single. You're right. So Got it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>
0: Um, I'm single and I live in Houston now, so I'm back in Houston again. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool.
1: And you said that uh, you got to Houston at four years old, so you were born somewhere else?
0: I was born in California, my military family. So I, we were at Edwards Air Force Base and then got sent over to England. So that's where I really first remember being alive. Right. <laughs> when I was 18 months old and... Um, lived there almost three years, and then moved to Houston.
1: It's too bad you didn't catch an accent. Wouldn't that have been really cool to have a little English accent?
0: Well, supposedly I had it when I was in playgroup, which was the the version of daycare over there, because the other kids were British, so I lost it, but I did have it.
1: (laughs) That's good. You can get your Hermione accent back someday, perhaps. All right. So um, you have a pretty amazing story and a difficult story. And so I would love for you to share it with our listeners today. Definitely.
0: My my story is definitely one that it's, the theme is a lot of uh, not being in control and a lot of things happening, happening and um, reacting to that. So I, I, like I said before, I grew up, Uh, military family, my dad was Air Force, and um, so the reason why we moved to Houston from England, um, he got called to be an astronaut, so we moved to Houston, and he was, that had been a lifelong dream of my dad's, um, to be an astronaut since he was four years old, so it was a huge deal, and actually, ironically, I'm just now realizing this, I was four uh, when we moved to Houston, (laughs) Um, so... I grew up with my dad learning what it will be like to live in space, and that was very normal to me. Um, and uh, some of you may remember 15 years ago, February 1st, 2003, um, the space shuttle Columbia crashed um, tragically during landing. And my dad, Rick Husband, was the space shuttle commander of Columbia. Um and so we lost seven crew members that day. Um, and the lead up to that, um, we, as my mom, I have a brother who, who was seven at the time. I was 12 at the time. Um, and we weren't anticipating anything necessarily going wrong. We always knew there was risk that happens with the line of work that my dad did, but it's not something you ever assume will happen to you personally. You just know that it could happen. It's the same with getting in your car every day or <laughs> going on an airplane. You, you know there's risk, but it's not in the forefront of your thoughts. So, um, yeah, we were at the landing strip in Florida that day, and um, there's just a lot of things leading up to all of that that I look back on that God was preparing us slowly for it uh, and we didn't even know it. Uh, My dad being the commander had a tremendous amount of responsibility on his plate for the mission but somehow found the time to film himself doing a devotional every single morning on a tape, so that way every morning we woke up while he was in space, we could pop in our VHS tape. And my brother had one, and I had one, and we would do a devotional with my dad. Uh, and so, the, so leading up the whole mission, I had been doing devotionals. So that morning that the landing was supposed to happen, got up super early because timing is everything with landing and orbiting the Earth and all those things. And so we're up super early watching the sunrise, and I remember my mom saying, this is a sunrise you'll never forget. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know. Um, So just things like that you look back on, and you don't realize at the time uh, how meaningful those moments are until later. So I'm watching my devotional with my dad, and he's just um, telling me how much how excited he is to see us and um, hopefully the weather will be good. And if it's good, then we'll see each other that day. And so we get up and go to Kennedy space center in Florida. And um, so we're there and there's a countdown clock. So it counts down as the crew uh, is supposed to land. Um, You see the time counting down and then once they've landed, it should hit zero and then start counting up positive time. So at around a minute or so you're supposed to hear a sonic boom uh, when they break the sound barrier and that's a sign that they're close so it goes down to a minute we hear no sonic boom my mom turns to one of our close astronaut friends who's been assigned to our families who my dad picked to be with us you know through the whole process NASA always has and pick astronauts to be with us to help explain technical things and just be with the families um, as a support. So my mom asked our friend Steve Lindsay, Steve, which direction is the shuttle coming from? And when's the sonic boom supposed to happen? And he just was on the phone and held up his hand and telling her to hold on. And she knew at that point. And so I, I then went over to my mom and and grabbed her arm and said, mom, is daddy? Okay. Um, because as a 12 year old, I just assumed, okay, maybe they're late. I wasn't paying attention to the speaker that they had lost communication, um, with the shuttle or all the technical stuff at the time. So, and my mom looked at me and she said, I don't think so. And, and my stomach dropped and, it was probably the first moment in my life I ever felt like my needs can't be fully provided by my parent because I've been blessed to have a really great upbringing of my needs being provided by my parents in a very loving environment. And this was the first time they couldn't, my mom couldn't meet my need um, in a really necessary way. So I mean, I, I wasn't, aware of what was happening yet but I knew something was wrong and so soon after that we see the clock count down to zero start counting up positive numbers one two three four five and crew's not there um, no sign of them and we hear someone yelling get the crew out of there and so there's a special section of the bleachers where we are and press is lined up trying to film us getting into cars. We have no idea what's going on. Um, And so they're taking us to headquarters um, where we are supposed to wait until we can hear news of some kind. Um, And looking back, uh, I think a lot of Americans knew before we did. They saw it probably on the news um, before we were, what was happening. But So we got to headquarters or crew quarters where the crew would have stayed just prior to launch, so they all, it would be like a conference room, and each one of them had their own bedroom, it was just where they stayed right before they left, so my dad's dirty gym clothes were still like in his room, and things like that, we, Bob Cabana, one of the astronauts came in, and uh, little things when you go through a tragedy just start slowed down in your mind, or you remember details, and I remember even he was wearing a red sweater, and just being there and him coming in and sharing that the crew had, there was damage to the left wing of the orbiter that happened, and it broke apart the shuttle over East Texas, and there's no for the crew. Um, And there's, uh, there's spouses in the room at this point. There's 12 kids amongst the Columbia crew. Uh, all different ages, and one of the first things I remember is one of the other kids just started wailing, Uh, and I was in shock, I think we all were, um, just trying to grapple with what news we were just told, Um, because there was never a fear of landing with the space shuttle, it had been launched with Challenger, so... I think in our minds, we thought we were in the clear. Um, so it's it's just now hitting us that we're not going to see a landing today. Um, and not only that, there's no hope for the crew, and they're gone. And somehow, <laughs> it's God, uh, but I told my mom that day, I know God's going to take care of us. And... Um, I didn't know how, I had a lot of questions, Um, but growing up and just even, I was in seventh grade, that year before in sixth grade, and this is one of those things where God just kind of does things and you aren't aware until later, but sixth grade I was really starting to feel very um, stagnant in my relationship with the Lord. And frustrated that the Bible wasn't speaking to me personally, like people would say that it would, um, and that it was alive to them. And so, my sixth grade year, I just started reading my Bible a ton, just reading it consistently, trying to make sense of what people were saying that it spoke to them personally. And I, th- I think just through the consistent, faithful reading of the Bible, God just started showing up. Um and helping it come alive to me. And then it was in that moment when, when tragedy hit that some of those verses I had been reading that past year started coming to mind of that he's a healer of the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And um, he's a father to the fatherless. And he's a man of sorrows acquainted with our grief. And to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And so just kind of all these verses that he'll never leave us nor forsake us uh, started hitting me in a very personal and relevant way that I hadn't, I I wouldn't have had if I hadn't, (laughs) God hadn't prompted me to start kind of getting to know him and on a deeper level. Um, And I think that's what gave me the ability that day to say, I know God's going to take care of us. Um, It's just His grace allowing me to be able to know deeper who He is. Um, And when you hit a tragedy, you have to press into God's character in a new way. You have to learn a new thing about Him. Is He truly a provider? Is He truly going to be a father to the fatherless? Because I never had to look for that in God before I didn't have a need for that um so it was leaning on God in a completely new way that I had never had to do and um kind of where the rubber hits the road of faith either you believe it or you don't and my mom said you can run um to God or run from him when a crisis hits but you're not going to stand still um and that I feel like I just ran to God, thankfully, by his grace, um, because it it can be easy to turn to other things, too. And it doesn't mean I haven't tried that or done that. Um, But I, through pressing into him, it, it just opened the door for me needing him in completely new ways. And expecting that these aren't just words on a page but this is truth that has to be real in my life right now or life is not going to work <laughs> life's not going to be worth anything if these words don't mean something beyond just the pages they're on and um so i had a lot of questions that came to mind you know who's going to help me with math <laughs> I'm a 12 year old, so who's um, so they ranged from who's going to help me with math to am I going to have to get a job? Um, how you know are we going to live in the same house? Who's going to walk me down the aisle? Um, just a variety of all these questions that just started hitting me about this new reality um, of life and. Coming home that day, they flew us back that same day. On um, NASA flies the families there and back on their own planes, so we had that privacy. But um, showing up at our house and flowers being everywhere and ribbons on the trees um, and the decorations to welcome my dad home, and we had we had decorated the house to welcome my dad home, and just seeing that and knowing that life was so different than what was hanging on the walls at that moment. Um, and yeah, so that that's kind of that moment really was a slow motion moment in my life where it really changed everything. Uh, and now looking back 15 years later, which sometimes feels like another lifetime for me, uh, and in some ways, just yesterday. Um, it just God has been so faithful, but it's also been very painful. Um, so, and I think that's a huge thing I've I've learned is just the parallel train tracks of grief and joy, and experiencing some amazing things that God has brought out of this and questions that are still unanswered, but some have been, some haven't. And just having to trust God has been a huge theme. Uh, After my dad died, I've lost 30-plus people since my dad, actually. So, I mean, after I lost my dad, um, over the next few years, I lost... My three li- grandparents that were living and then other family members and some friends. And then um, the show that I mentioned, Texas, that I was a part of, we lost five cast members in a car accident a week before we closed our show. And then um, two summers later, lost our stage manager in a in an accident um, prior to the show. And so it's just been ongoing. Every year of college, I, I felt like I had to go home to attend a funeral for somebody, um, including, well, I, I wasn't able to attend, but my sophomore year of college, um, one of the Columbia crew children, Asaf, he was the oldest child of the Israelis, astronauts' family, Alan Ramon's family, uh, Asaf died in a, a plane accident. And training in the Israeli Air Force, um, and just just those things hitting over and over again, um, and yet somehow being able to still <laughs> love life and enjoy it, and it, I, that can really only be thanks to God because it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense otherwise. Uh, how I can have joy <laughs> in the midst of going through. So many things I didn't ask for, uh, and wouldn't volunteer anyone for, and um, but I wouldn't trade my life for someone else's either. I, I feel like God's taught me so much through what I've walked through, and it's helped me understand on a much deeper level what it means when you're going when someone's going through loss, um, and just even the stages of grief. Grief is an ongoing thing that hits you and comes and goes and different stages of life bring new things to grieve. My friends, I'm single. My friends are getting married. So seeing some of my best friends with their dads on their wedding, it it can be super painful. Um, But also I know God's going to get me through it. I'm not there yet, (laughs) but I just have to keep trusting, and I feel like now trust has been the theme, and more recently, honestly, in just the past few months, the words sacrifice and surrender have become the new theme, which are very painful as well. Those are and,
1: hard words.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it's you—you um, you hear those things and those biblical terms, but it's not until you're actually like living in them that it's you realize what kind of (laughs) how hard it can be and how much you really need God to actually learn how to do that. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it's just, and it's fast forwarding a lot, but just here now, and I've just had to learn to not put things in a place where God needs to be my, uh, he's he's enough, where he claims to be enough, and nothing else can take that place, and I've had things, relationships stripped away, I've had opportunities or different things that I thought were going to go one way, and then they went another way, and it just feels like God's getting me in a place where he's trying to strip away things that will take me further away from him, so that way I can the sacrifice is worth it though and that's what he's been showing me is hey i'm worth it and but you have to trust me and keep trusting me <laughs> it's not a one time thing it's it's an ongoing daily surrender and sacrifice of what i think i i want and need and shifting to trust him in the midst of that so
1: yeah, don't you wish it was a one and done? Hey, last February, <laughs> I trusted you. <laughs> done. Don't have to do that again.
0: Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> it would be easier. But the thing is, is I mean, if we really do look at Jesus, he went through the hardest. He will go through harder than we ever will. And we. I forget that. And it's it's easy to forget, unfortunately. We're forgetful, forgetful people, and it talks about that in the Bible a lot, being a forgetful people and um, even having gone through all the pain and suffering and loss, it's we can forget that God's gone through even more. Um, and he's not, and all of it's for our good, too. It's And it's not, it doesn't mean it's God's ideal. God doesn't like to see us in this broken, um, suffering place for no purpose. And, um, and we all have this longing and know it should be different. And I think it's also the, the nudge in all of us that some life, it can be different. And that's what it means. What heaven, it will be like is we know that this is not exactly how it's supposed to be. And even people who don't follow Jesus know that things are not right when things in the world happen when we see the the shooting in florida everyone knows something's wrong with that and that's not how life is intended to be it's not meant to be that way and there is something that's supposed to be better than what we're living in and i think that's uh, that nudging in us from god that that he promises that to us if we can just trust him that he, he will provide. And we will get that. (laughs) We just have to be patient.
1: Yeah. And being patient is hard. (laughs) Definitely hard. I want to just go back um, a little bit, because uh, I remember my father's funeral, and I was 10 years old, and it was a tragedy and unexpected. And I remember just sitting and staring at the coffin and thinking, he can't be there. Like he He's probably alive in Africa somewhere. Like that was my, even though I knew that that wasn't true, what, how was your, how did you make it through that day? And how did you like later, as you look back on that very tragic day of remembering your father, how, how do you reframe it today?
0: Yeah, it was uh, a little unique in the, in the situation, I guess, with them, because it took about, I think. I don't know if it was two weeks or two months. I mean, I was 12, but it took a while to find all the crew members, which they did find all of them and identified them. Um, and just a shout out to the people in East Texas. Um, they did in a, a phenomenal job. Um, they prayed for us every single morning and protected us, our families from the media and just all the information around our loved ones. Um, So, um, and that's not something I realized till much later in college, even the effort that went into the recovery of the shuttle and the crew members. But yeah, so we, we went through this period of time where they weren't found. So especially during that time, I I wanted to just hear he was somewhere else. I had, I even had dreams that he was on some Island, you know, um, I just, You know, it was hard to come to grips with the fact that is he actually gone? Is he really gone? Like, that's it. Um, And there's nothing I can do about it. And I had, yeah, I remember having different dreams even about me seeing him and him just showing up later and being like, yeah, I've just been hanging out over here. And yeah, but I, so we they found him and then we had a funeral in Amarillo and a memorial service in Houston. And I remember even just physically feeling weird. And my mom saying, that's Laura, that's grief. Like, but just not even really understanding, uh, just my body wasn't even cooperating with me with all of it. And I feel like God sustained me through those services because it there was a, there were a lot of people from our entire life who showed up um, to to show their respects and um, part of me with it being so public, it was hard because I felt like I needed to be strong or put on a brave face for all these other people hurting um, who maybe even didn't know my dad, but then you could see the pain they had for you. And then you'd, I'm the type of person I felt bad for that. And then uh, maybe it's a people pleasing thing, um, that was happening there, but I just, so it was hard sometimes even being vulnerable with myself and being really open, but uh, publicly at least, um, I just felt like I needed to be there for my mom and for my brother and for other people. And, um, I felt like I was able to grieve a lot privately, but not, but it, you know, it it always comes out as you, as time goes on, you realize kind of where you're at, but it, it was, it was just like a one day at a time thing, one moment at a time, sometimes one minute at a time, um, just what I was able to cope with, um time wise, because um, sometimes it didn't feel bearable, and it felt like I needed to just deal with that moment and not think about anything else and I feel like the shock didn't wear off until almost a year later. It fully hit me what happened to my dad and that he was truly gone until I, I remember being in England, I think when we were staying with our friends, and my mom was writing her book and I was in their living room and it just kind of hit me that my dad was gone. And it was about a year later and I was just, it was just this weird, surreal feeling of like, okay, time has already passed, but it's just now hitting me, um, that he's gone.
1: You uh, started the story with the word control and not being in control. And so it. 12 years old, obviously you did not have control over what happened to your father. How has that realization about, I mean, I think we think we have control, but then when something like that happens, we don't think we have control. So how has that helped and hindered you over the years in your walk with Jesus?
0: Mm, That's a good question. (laughs) Um, I think it's absolutely been a place where God has had to teach me a lot. I've I like being in control. I like <laughs> being able to choose what how how things are gonna go um, and I feel like time and time again God keeps placing situations in my life where I am completely not in control. So I think the underlying thing is I'm just not in control <laughs> as much as I really, really, really want to be I'm. Never going to be in control, but uh, the reality is if I were, um, it would be a lot scarier. <laughs> God God knows far more than, than I do and I think just the more I real, the more I push into him, the more I know that he is not in a box and how big he is and how, much, how capable he is and how small I am how much he needs to be in control and I need to let him, well, (laughs) that's still me controlling it. I need to step back (laughs) and hand the reins over to him. And I I mean, even with my mom, um, five years after my dad passed, my mom met an amazing man, Bill Thompson, and they remarried. And that was another situation in my life. I love Bill, but a man stepping into our family, it felt completely out of my control. And it wasn't him personally. It was just the position and highlighting the fact that my dad was permanently gone, that my mom was getting married. She wasn't even dating or anything. It was really a God thing. But um, there was so much pain there because I felt like I, I didn't have a choice again. I didn't get a vote. And just feeling like life continually had these big life changes that affected me personally on a daily basis that were out of my control and so it just but then I'm seeing now how God's worked it for his good (laughs) um but at the time it, it felt so hard to deal with
1: yeah there's just so much, there's um, tentacles to grief. They uh, reach out and as you said, it's layered. It's it, every, in every stage of your life, you have different parts. And I, I don't think that a, a girl ever outgrows her need for a daddy. And once that father's gone, uh, there's, there's really nothing, even though I had like stepdads after that and all of that, nothing replaced my biological father. You know, there's just something about that. So final couple questions, what advice would you give to someone who's gone through grief or is facing it today?
0: Well, first of all, I feel like there's nothing you can really say in regards to what you're going through that makes it better. Yeah. darn it. <laughs> just hearing that from another person who knows what you're going through, I think is comforting, just knowing that there really isn't anything that can, like, it's, it was that valuable that nothing really can replace it or fix it. Um, And there may not be the right answers or the right words. Um, I'd say give grace to those who try, (laughs) Um, who try to say something and say the wrong thing um, and just know the heart behind it. Um, And also I think for me, especially going through what I went through, I, I would I struggled with the thought that no one gets where I'm coming from, especially because my dad was on a space shuttle. Mm -hmm. How many? (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot of those. (laughs) So I, I felt like, okay, well no one gets it. So no one's going to be able to be there for me community wise in that way. No one can bear that burden with me. And that was a complete lie from the enemy, obviously, but, um, just, just if you're feeling that no one can be there with you in your situation, no one can relate or understand, well, they may not be able to, but that doesn't mean God can't use them and allow them to be community in your life and allow them to be there alongside with you and grieve with you. Um, Sometimes that's hard to open yourself up to people when you're going through it um and i think it's also important to not uh to give yourself time and grace uh if you, grief is just unpredictable and the it will hit you when you're not planning on it <laughs> the days that are supposed to be hard like a birthday or christmas might actually be a great day and then it's the day after or 3 weeks later or um some commercial that comes on TV or, you know, it could be anything. Um, Some dad and daughter playing in a park and you drive by for me, you know, something like that. Um, And so you just have to give yourself grace and you know that it's progress, not perfection. Um, And that we're, God's doing a work in us that he will complete. And so it's, it's an ongoing healing journey and it's not, I used to think, okay, if I, if I go through counseling, I will get it all out of my system and then life will be like completely healed from that point on and I'll be good to go. And, um, that's really, I really like accomplishing things and you can't really do that with grief. You, And I wish you could, but it that doesn't mean it doesn't, like get better in certain ways but it's it's just knowing that knowing the nature of it is is a process and everyone is different Every, everybody will need different things and people will need to process different ways but allow yourself to do it
1: so you just mentioned a little bit about your own personal growth um, in the midst of all of this. So, how has God given you a new story or restoried you in the past year? Just to keep it current.
0: Sure. Well, um, it's been. Um, I think for me, it's been a huge shift. I after I um, came home one summer of doing uh, the the musical Texas. Um, I kind of had this, just right before this year, I had a two-year span of a lot of anxiety, depression, and sickness, and I think a lot of that was due to me just slowing down, not being in college, and then trying to do work in Houston, and it opened up a door for more grieving that I needed to do, and so this past year has almost been coming out on the other side of that which I never th- thought I would see. <laughs> um, and I really thought that was going to be an endless cycle of just depression and anxiety. And, and this past year, um, health-wise, I, um, my mom and I both felt this strong need to be healthier. And so we both lost over 70 pounds on Weight Watchers. So that's been my past year. It's been really a big health journey. Um, which was totally a God thing. She, I, I would have not done it if it weren't for my mom and God prompting my mom. <laughs> um, and that's not to brag about a number. It's more of just like it hasn't been about looks or anything. It's been really about just taking care of the body God's given me and wanting to be a good steward of that and be prepared for whatever he wants to bring my way um, in the future and being the most fit and able, I guess, for that uh, physically. And then emotionally, spiritually, I, I got out of a relationship that I was in for three and a half years. And it was it was heart-wrenching, but um, it's one of those things that I mentioned that God is just kind of taking away right now so I can really be ready and prepared and dig into whatever He needs me to do before the next step of my life, whatever that may be. So it feels like a skill building year <laughs> I've been in. Um, just kind of digging deeper and realizing it takes work to grow. Um, and you have to like till soil for, for, and break up the soil for it to actually m- produce something. And so I feel like it's been kind of a pruning or tilling soil season of Just uh, physically getting in a better place and emotionally, spiritually trying to reset and be stronger and reevaluate my priorities and make sure God is my focus and not just wanting to be married or wanting, uh, you know, to get that performing job or certain thing. It's just trying to refocus um, on him and move forward that way.
1: I love that. And I think that's also just a great message for singles today. My my eldest daughter is 25 and she's in that place of all of her friends are getting married and it's the church doesn't really talk about the beauty of singleness and what God can do in the midst of that. And so I love that learning to be content and and also just that idea of being healthy for the sake of the gospel and being healthy for the sake of the kingdom so that you can serve God better. I love that. And you know, Laura, thank you so much for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing wisdom beyond your years and for sharing that hard story. I I so appreciate it.
0: Thank you for having me. I feel like I, I grow through, I'm a verbal
1: processor, so this has been good for me too. That's awesome. Thanks everyone for listening to the ReStory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, I, I I lift up Laura to you. I'm so grateful for her. I'm grateful for her story. It's a hard story, and there are people listening today who have lost loved ones, who have lost fathers, who have lost aunts, uncles, friends, and she has had a particular amount of loss, and I'm so thankful that... You have been with her in the in the battle and in the fight, and so Lord, I pray for um, in her life particularly just springtime. I pray for all that sowing and and reaping and and digging up the soil and pruning will have um, will have great results this year in terms of fruit. Lord, that you would just bring alive that which felt dead. And Lord, thank you that you are the God of the resurrection. That as we ache and mourn on this earth and we walk through grief. Um, that will not be our inevitable end that in the new heavens and the new earth we will have joy and your tears will be wiped away and we will see our loved ones who have passed on and and lord thank you for her family i pray for blessings upon them and it sounds so christian to pray that but i just i do sincerely pray that you would continue to be near to them and lead them i pray for my listeners today who are Uh, in the throes of grief and it feels really dark and maybe they're just in that shock place and I pray you would just come alongside and I do pray that the church would become a safer place for people who are grieving that we would ask better questions and we would just sit in the grief with people instead of trying to rush it along. So Lord, help us to be a better body to those who are hurting. I just thank you, Jesus, for loving us and for bearing the weight of all that shame and sin on the cross that you understand what it's like, um, as she said, a man of sorrow. So thank you for that and grieve alongside us today, I pray in Jesus' name. So if you'd like to know more about today's show, go to RestoryShow.com for the latest episode information. And uh, you can record your own story on the right-hand side of com. There's a little microphone there, and you can record up to four minutes, and we'll tack that on to the end of one of our episodes. And also, if you liked that prayer today, if you want to have prayer every day, you can go to PrayEveryDay.show. And that's where I'm praying through the Bible with you every day this year. So I would love to have you come and listen to that. Laura, thanks again for uh, being an amazing guest and uh, pray that you have an amazing 2018. Thank you.